good day, restless souls. We are all in the right place. My name is Michael Dean Gold. This show is about different experiences people go through and the questions they might make us ask about ourselves. Today on the show. He comes two inches from my face and starts screaming, cunt, cunt, like over and over again. You see how much blood you lost already, and that was a nick. See, if it would have went any more to the left, you would have bled out and you would have died. There are places in the world that actually look like this. They are that vibrant. They are that alive. First up, I saw a post that intrigued me about one of those caught off guard experiences that we all have from time to time. Now, the post was from a young woman who was verbally abused in a gym. It was crude, it was frightening, and she ran out of there in tears. But it didn't end there. Her Insta handle is at the path to gold, all one word. That's at the path to gold. Her name is Shantae Gold, and she happens to be my daughter. Here's what happened. It was a gym that I've been going to for a really long time, so I knew mostly everybody that was there. Um, and the group of men that usually worked out at that gym were just very well known for being like the douchebags of the gym. And um, I got into not friendly, like an altercation with one of the friend members there. That was like an ongoing thing that he would continuously like harass me when I was there. How many men were in this group? Like three or four. They would always come together, make a scene at the gym. They were just obnoxious and they were just there to seek for a lot of attention and to harass the women that were there. How old were you at the time? I think 20. Up to this point, had anybody complained about this group of guys? Had management done anything? Oh, I did. I complained about them all the time. <laughs> I complained uh, all the time. I mean, I think most people would just try to stay away from them and just try to ignore it as much as possible because there's they were scary dudes. These were like huge, roided out, obnoxious, disgusting men. <laughs> So I think a lot of people just really try to stay away from them. How old are these guys? They look a lot old. Like I said, they're all on steroids, so they might have looked older than what they actually were. To me, they looked well into their 30s, but I think they were in their 20s. Take us to this evening. You go to the gym, you go on in, and you start working out. You're over at the, uh, the squat rack, and mm -hmm. what happens? So I, like I said, I was either about to squat or in the middle of squatting and I walk away from the area real quick. I, I don't know, I think I went to go grab something or went to go talk to somebody, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but my stuff was there and one of the guys, not the leader, but the, one of the friends was, he knew I was there because I his body language communicated that he was kind of watching me as he was entering the squat rack to see if I was gonna say anything. And I went up to him and I was like, this, I'm using this, I'm not done yet, I'll let you know. And the second I said that, he comes two inches from my face and starts screaming, cunt, cunt, like over and over again. And I could just feel 
everybody just stop and stare. I remember like saying, like yelling back, like, don't call me that. But at the, you know, I didn't know what else to do. That was just like my initial response. And he, that's all he was saying to me. It was just cunt, cunt and screaming it. And then I just broke down, grabbed my things and I ran out of the gym crying because I was so mortified and embarrassed and at this time how many other people were in the gym including staff a lot of people i mean it was like a normal a normal day i mean there was a man that i was just talking to like five feet away from what had happened i was having a friendly conversation with somebody and he didn't say anything and nobody tried to intervene for any nope. at all nope when he started to yell at you, do you remember what you were thinking and feeling at that very moment? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know what I was thinking, but I felt embarrassed and humiliated and like I didn't know what to do because I felt like I, I am and was a pretty strong individual, but he overpowered me in that moment and I just felt like he was taking away that my my power pretty much you grab your things you ran out of the gym and at this point you're crying and then as you're leaving the gym what, what was I, had drive, I had to drive home so <laughs> i was driving home bawling my eyes out <laughs> just like like uncontrollably crying and embarrassed and just in shock about what happened angry like thinking of ways that i can get back at him for a long time, for a long, yeah, a long time, I was trying to like strategize on how I can get him back. <laughs> you mean a long time that evening? For like a good couple months, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how I can like really get this man back, but it never, it never worked out that way. <laughs> well, what did you do? I just spent the rest of the evening like just processing what had happened and like you know, there was a part of me like thinking like, how am I supposed to show my face there again? Like everybody saw what happened. How am I gonna get my workouts in? Cause obviously that was my main priority. Like I'm gonna have to go to another gym. Um, and that was like the saddest part for me because I felt pushed out of a gym that I truly enjoyed going to. I had been going to for a long time and I felt like I had no other choice than to just go somewhere else. And how did you feel about yourself as a, a young woman? I just felt angry. I didn't feel anything about, I, I think my response was appropriate. I mean, what can you do? I think anybody in that situation would have responded the same way I, I responded, so. But you did something else though. And so I needed to let him know that he didn't scare me off. like. I was there for one reason only, and that was that was a place that I enjoyed going, and that what he wasn't going to take that away from me. So I decided that I was going to go back to the gym the next day and find him and lift next to him. How did he go? I, <laughs> he didn't say anything. He just looked at me. He looked surprised that I was there. I think everybody was. I didn't talk or look at anybody i just i got there i scanned the room i saw him and i walked over there and i just started lifting right next to him so you did that intentionally yeah on purpose 
And then you even gave a little smirk because that's what you do. At least that's what you put in your post. <laughs> yeah, I gave him a little smirk, just let like some eye contact, just let him know that I'm still here. And how did you feel after that? I felt intimidated the whole time. It's not like I was like, I felt like not scared or like brave or anything. I, I felt scared and intimidated and I didn't want to do it. This isn't something that got me excited, <laughs> like got me out of bed and like, yay, I'm going to go back to the gym and I'm going to find him. That I was still terrified and embarrassed about what happened the day before, but it was something I had to do because I just felt like I, I couldn't let him treat me that way and think that he had an effect on me. Would you have done anything differently? I probably would have slashed his tires. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely would have been counterproductive. Uh, yeah, I probably would have done a little something extra if I, if I was a little bit more brave. But I figured that was a good step in the right direction. Did you feel at that point you had taken back your power? Yes, I did. And that must have been a great feeling, right? Yeah, it was really great. I was still scared, but it was good. <laughs> it was like a good scared. Taking back her power. I love how she said, you know, she was still intimidated. She was still scared, but she did what she had to do. It's kind of the very definition of courage because courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is kind of taking action even when we are afraid. I have questions though. Her experience made me wonder, how would I respond when suddenly confronted by a scary, overpowering person? It's going to happen. How will I respond? But then I have this other nagging question stuck in my head. We got a gym full of people, right? Everybody heard it. Everybody saw it. No one helped. Now, I'm not judging them, I wasn't there, but I wonder, if I was there, would I have done anything? And you're probably thinking, well, you know, she's your daughter, of course she would have done something, and you're right, but what if she wasn't my daughter, like everybody in the gym? Would I have done something? And I'm not talking about, you know, running over there and jumping between them and saying, hey man, what are you doing? You know, pow, punching the guy in the stomach. <laughs> That's a good way to get hurt. I'm talking about maybe walking over there and saying, hey, what's going on here? Or how about just going and getting a staff member and saying, hey, man, you got to stop that, right? Anything just to show this woman that she's not alone. Would I have done something? How about you? Email me your thoughts or even your own experience of being caught off guard and what you did. I'll share some in the next Restless Soul. Next, an experience about instinct and danger. In my community, there's a guy we call Big Kenny. He's a brother in his late 50s. He's about six foot four and a half, pretty buff. Now, one night, Kenny took a knife to the gut trying to save a neighbor who was being carjacked by two thugs. Here's the experience. It's late September of 2019. It's a Sunday night. You are in the garage. Walk me through it. What happens? The girls pull up. A truck pulls up behind them. And I just see a guy, you know, I heard the girls yelling, you know, Kenny, Kenny, or help, help. I just seen a guy 
going at her like, get out the car, bitch, get out the car, bitch. And so I ran down there and she was turned sideways in the car, kicking, defending him off, kicking at him. And I got in between her as she was kicking me in the back now. And I'm in front and I grab the guy by the neck and I take him down to the ground. As I'm taking him down to the ground, he happens to stab me, which I didn't know because adrenaline was pumping real hard. So I got him down on the ground and I slammed him pretty hard, his head pretty hard to the pavement. And at that time, he was kind of uh, out of it at the time. He's swinging a knife. And next thing I know, someone grabbed me from behind and pulled the shirt over my head and started like swinging, hitting my shirt because now I, you know, feel it's two people. And I just grab my shirt and I tear it off and I come up in a fighting stance. And once they size me up, they flee. At that point, I run into the house to grab my weapon. And while I'm in the house, I just feel something warm run down my leg. And I see blood like pumping, you know. I'm like, oh my God, you know. So I grab a shirt and I ball it up, press tight, and I run downstairs and head right directly to Vista Fire Station. I want to go back to a couple of things here real quick because we kind of shot by them. Tell me about the moment you got stabbed. Well, at that point, I didn't even know that I was hit. I felt something, but I didn't know because adrenaline was pumping real, you know, real fast at that time. When I did get stabbed, you know, uh, I really, you know, I, I really didn't know I was stabbed until I got upstairs into my house. I know I felt something sharp hit me. But at that point, I was still fighting off the guy, you know. And um, I really didn't start bleeding till I got in the house. You go inside, you go upstairs and to get your weapon. I mean, you notice something, you feel something, and then you look down. What did you see? Look down. I felt something warm run down my leg. And I looked, and I could see blood kind of spurting because he hit like an artery. He nicked the artery, and it was pumping out blood. And I applied pressure to it. And I'm like, you know, at that time... You know, I wasn't even feeling like, you know, what's going on. But I knew that I had to get somewhere to get some help. The doctor was saying, you're lucky that it just nicked it and it didn't puncture it because you wouldn't have made it. And it just nicked it and that's where the blood was, you know, pumping from. Because when I got to the doctor, um, they had called ahead. So as soon as I went into Palomar, it was a surgeon right there. And so he said, you were in good spirits and I took you right in. He said, surgery was very good. He said, but if it would have been any closer any closer you probably wouldn't have made it here you could have bled out you see how much blood you lost already and that was a nick so if it would have went any more to the left you would have bled out and you would have died the moment you hear kenny kenny and you and you get the visual there's a dude over there there was no hesitation on your part why i don't know you know i don't know where that instinct comes from for a guy you know to protect a woman you know my dad's ex-military uh marine retired and he always used to tell me your job whenever you're with a woman is to respect them and protect them all i knew was there was a woman in uh trouble and all i can remember was my dad said to respect them and protect them and i knew i was the only guy there to protect them you know and so I just went in, you know. I didn't look to see whether the guy had a weapon or not. I didn't even see that, you know. I had no idea he had a knife. Would it have mattered? It, it, you know what? I don't know. Maybe I would have found something, a weapon myself. The thing, everything was going down. It was going down so fast. Instincts took over. I don't even think it mattered. I don't know what his uh, state of mind was at the time. I don't know if they were under the influence of some kind of drug or anything, you know. I don't know, you know, what if he had more than one knife. Or anything like that. I know that it would have been different 
if uh, it could have turned out a whole different way, man, you know. Did you realize that you had just risked your life and you could have died? I really wasn't, you know, there really wasn't no thoughts, you know, Mike. It was like, it was like just instinct kicked in. But after reflecting, I'm like, wow, this could have really been serious, you know, and. Uh, would you do it again or would you do anything oh, differently? Yeah. I would, I would definitely do it again. Just to help someone, I would definitely do it again without thinking, you know, the word help is a cry for us, you know, humans, man, man or woman, to help each other. You know what I mean? So here we are a year later. A lot's happened since then. We're going to get into that another time. But let me ask you this. What do you think about what you did now? Well, um, I, I, you know, Mike, I think I've done the right thing. I really think I did the right thing uh, to help someone who was in need of help you know and more of us need to do need to do that you know in our daily lives you know someone yells for help it's a cry of you know distress to me it's like sos you know someone really needs help you know with this experience of helping someone else brought a greater awareness to me that you know what that word is very important and you know what help someone when you can you know it's one of the greatest aspects of god love for us is for us to help each other when the first time you saw Sandra and Roxana after the uh, uh, you got out of the hospital what did they say to you oh my god <laughs> they were like you know I'm, I'm you know I'm part of their family now you know I'm a big brother Rox has stopped you know put a car in the park and jump out and hug me that's what she does you know that's her thing she always says you know this is my brother this is my hero you know there'll never be nothing that you know she she's so grateful you know and I just told her I was just doing what a guy should do Anything like this ever happened to you before? Back in the days when gang fights and stuff like that. Different you know, life. yeah, different life, a different life than what I'm living now. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been stabbed a few times and shot a few times. So, you know, um, and that was a different part of my life, you know, that. But this was know, for a But this was reason. for a whole different reason. This was a whole new way of life that I live today, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you know I just listened to the language of the heart. I believe, that, you know what? I don't believe you have to die to see heaven, man. I don't believe that. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's like, you know, are you going to go to heaven? Are you going to go to heaven? But I see heaven through human acts every day. That's for me, for Kenny. I see heaven through human acts every day with other people. So me, myself, you know, I don't believe you got to die to see heaven. Why do we got to die to go to heaven? You know what I'm saying? I see heaven every day. People helping these people, you know, giving people jumps or letting you go first in front of the line or just... Lending a hand help you, you know, that's heaven to me. Have you changed or has this thing changed your life in any way since uh, this event? Well. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call a tease in the broadcasting business. So in the next show, an extraordinary experience that Kenny went through as a result of this heroic act. And it's really going to show just how far his restless soul has brought him from a time when Actually, he could have been one of those guys on the other side of that experience. But the questions Kenny's story leave me with today is, how would I respond to a panicked call for help? Help! This is different from the gym story. The neighbors being carjacked were pleading for intervention. Would I have done it? Would you do it? Help! Does Kenny's experience of getting stabbed in the stomach affect what we think we might do? Hmm. And finally, do we agree with Kenny? We don't have to die to go to heaven. We can see heaven right here 
in the kindness and courage of human beings. Email me your thoughts. I'll share some in the next Restless Soul. When I'm looking through my feed, I'm drawn to images that were taken spontaneously in a random, authentic moment that captures an experience that really draws me in. So I see this one photograph on the feed of Lotharia. That's L-O-T-H-A-R-I-A. It's Latin, has a cool meaning. Look it up. Her name is Rachel Henman. She's 31, lives in the L.A. County area. She's a badass motorcycle rider. She loves to dance. She leans towards heavy metal. She's in a loving relationship with a lady named Angie. And Rachel is crushing it in college. Something that if you would have told her five years ago, she'd be a college honor student, she would have said you're crazy. Which brings us to the photo. Rachel and five of her college friends are in their swimsuits. They're standing in a small river. It looks like it's about three feet deep. I can see their legs underwater. That's how clear this water is. The river's about 15 feet wide. It's at the base of a waterfall, but you can't see the waterfall. The whole scene is surrounded by a tropical forest, mountains, and an overcast sky. And in the background, one of the women has her arm raised. And the caption is this. In the wintertime, when the weather is hot, you can reach right up and touch the sky. Here's how the experience went down. That picture in particular, and I love that you chose that one because that is that was during my study abroad trip to Costa Rica, which I can't believe it, but it was in the beginning of 2020 before, you know, stuff got weird. We were in Costa Rica from mid-January to beginning of February, so like just under a month, and we were at La Fortuna Waterfall um, in Costa Rica, and you have to, it's a hundred steps to get down to the waterfall. It's worth it. So we went, we went down there. This this waterfall is massive. So it comes down, you know, into a pool and then that pool kind of goes. And then on the other side of like a tree, if you go on the other side of the tree, you know, it's like the river. We were just hanging out in there, taking pictures. And it felt almost like surreal. Like, I feel like that's so cliche to say, but almost, yeah, almost like surreal. It was just one of those, like, I'm actually here. Cause you know, when you do study abroad, like typically you do so much to get there. Like I did a car wash, I did a t- like fundraising and it's just like, man, like I'm here. Like I, in this moment, I am literally enjoying the fruits of my labor in this river with these people that are now my friends. Afterwards, I was exhausted because I had to walk back up those hundred steps. <laughs> and I'll never forget, a girl that was in my oceanography class ended up being on that trip. She talked a lot. Her name's Izzy. And she talks a lot. And and anybody who talks a lot can be annoying sometimes because if you're just not in the mood to talk to somebody, then, you know, it's going to be a little frustrating. But we're climbing up these stairs. Everybody had already gone back up. Everyone had gone, you know, back to the bus. And Izzy is just, I don't even remember what she was talking about, but she was just talking and talking and talking. And I turned around and I put my hand on her shoulder and I said, Izzy. Because <laughs> in, in that moment, she looked at me and she was like, shut the F up. And I looked at her and I was like, in my head, I'm like, people must tell you to stop talking often. And I looked at her and I was like, don't be so harsh to yourself like that. Yes, 
I need to focus all my energy on getting up these stairs. So can you please be quiet? But don't, you don't need to say it like that. Don't be so harsh to yourself. I was like, we could like talk about whatever you want to talk about. I just got to get up these stairs. And she's like, okay. She was aware this potentially is an annoying thing about herself and you didn't want her to feel that way. Exactly. Because there was no need for her to feel that way. I didn't want her to feel like ashamed or like that just, let's just look at the facts. The fact of the matter is I'm out of shape and trying to walk up a hundred stairs and I need uh, some quiet to harness my strength to get up these stairs. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. There's no need for shame. There's no need for anything. Like, I just need some silence to get up these stairs. The beauty that surrounds you guys, there's like a lush forest, a lush tropical forest. Was that yeah. what it was like? Yes, like a magical forest type, enchanted forest type situation. There are places in the world that actually look like this. You don't need to edit the pictures. The places look like that. They they are that vibrant. They are that alive. Like it's magical. Like the I just have to tell you to go because I like I can't even the words don't exist. I'm like, going. You just have to go. <laughs> I'm yeah. going. As soon as it is safe, you book that flight. The last thing about the picture is the caption. In the summertime, when the weather is hot, you can stretch right up and brush the sky. When the weather's fine, you got women, you got women on your mind. I didn't realize it was from that song, so when you told me, I'm going, oh, yeah, that's perfect. You can, like, read it in the tune when you, yeah. Yeah, yeah when I listen to the tune, I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah. But you changed it, and you said it had a special meaning. Yeah, so I love that song. It's such a fun song. Um, I've loved it since I was a kid. I changed the words because it was the winter semester and it was winter here um, in the States. Um, in Costa Rica, they have two seasons instead of four. They have the rainy season. They have the not rainy season. But it is always, because they're so close to the equator, it is always warm and it's always humid. So since it was the winter semester, I changed it to the winter time, but the weather is still hot because of where I was uh, geographically. It's just, it's always at least 75 degrees there. When you hear the song now, do you sing it like that? Do you say in the winter time? Sometimes in my head, yeah, because I type that caption and then I'm like, oh no, it's the summertime. That's how it really goes. <laughs> in the summertime when the weather is hot, you can stretch right up and brush the sky. And then it was a perfect match for the song because you can reach right up and touch the sky and Nancy, that's exactly what she's doing. That's exactly what she's doing, yeah. And that was a study abroad trip. So what were you studying and what was the, I don't know, what was the school curriculum type thing that you were doing there? I got a chance to be a part of the first honors class ever offered abroad uh, through Citrus College. So that was really cool. I took the honors intro to cultural anthropology, which was freaking amazing when you go somewhere especially leaving the country like it's one thing to go to another state but to leave the country and to go there with an open mind you know so that you can embrace a culture other than your own it makes you feel like that and that's something that um that was one of my biggest takeaways from my cultural anthropology class is that there is no better or worse just different you know what i mean there is no better culture or worse culture there's just different cultures. And there are going to be some things about other cultures that you like. And there are going to be some things about other cultures that you don't like. And you have to remember that that's also true for us. Because there are other countries, you know, that will look at Western culture, U.S. culture, 
and there are going to be some things that they don't like and there are going to be some things that they do like. So um, it makes you, when you have that mindset going into another country, you can have that feeling of reaching right up and touching the sky because it's just so amazing to see the difference, like the uniqueness that there is in the world. You're a fascinating woman with a very interesting life. Leave us with some thoughts about how you approach life. Mm, That is such a good question because I feel like right now, how I approach life is in the process of changing. The only thing, the only thing that is certain is that things are going to change. That's the only thing that we can bank on, right? Is that things are going to change. Whether that's good or bad, we won't know until it happens. And someone, one person's bad can be someone else's good. You know what I mean? The only thing that is absolutely guaranteed is that time's going to keep passing and you can't get it back and that things are going to change. You know, try to be ready to adapt. So many takeaways from Rachel's experience. In the story about Izzy, Rachel displayed some really outstanding, compassionate communication to make her point very effectively. Izzy, if you are listening, you be you, girl. I'm going to try to be a little bit more compassionate with others when I'm kind of struggling to get up my own steps. Another important question I got to ask myself is if I'm mentally and emotionally in that space yet, to look at other cultures as different but equal, different but unique, different but just as valuable as mine. Can I do it? Also, can we adapt to change even with all the change that is swirling around us and in us and through us, even when it's happening against our will? Can we adapt? Can we move forward and be happy? And finally, I wonder if I'm actually paying attention to the beautiful moments that can so easily just pass me right by in my hectic everyday life. Am I missing them? A warm winter day in a river with friends surrounded by an enchanted tropical forest touching the sky. In the summertime when the weather is high, you can stretch right up and brush the sky. I've had a great time today, and I hope you did too. Email me your thoughts about any of those stories in today's episode, and I'll share some in the next show. My name is Michael Dean Gold. I produce the stories. You also heard a little of the original 1970 version of In the Summertime by Mungo Jerry. All the theme and mood music is produced by San Diego's William Jerome and Carlos Nava. Until next time, the experiences of our lives prepare us, inform us, change us, and breathe into our restless souls. 